Hello, I'm George Abernathy, the proud president of Freightways. Welcome to Fuller Speed Ahead. I want to thank Craig Fuller for giving me the opportunity to do my first Fuller Speed Ahead. And I'm thrilled during this sales and marketing summit to be able to talk a lot about and a lot of a lot with folks who are in and doing the best practices around sales and marketing. And one of those folks is my friend Trey Griggs. Trey Griggs, who's the vice president of Lean Sales from the Lean Solutions Group. Trey, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, George. It's great to be with you today. So we're talking about the, the long game mindset in sales and marketing. And if you think about it, um, you know, this age of blitz scaling and wild and some might say outlandish valuations, the temptations to focus on acquiring customers at all costs. However, not all businesses thrive under this particular model. So I think that Trey's going to be able to talk to us about how that doesn't necessarily work, especially in transportation. So we're going to talk about the long game and how Trey looks at the long game to achieve sustainable success in sales, which really is a critical component to it. So let's let's jump right in, Trey, and, and talk about in this day and age, in, in this day and age of virtual selling, what are the key components that you look to for closing deals right now? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and like to go back to your first mark there about, you know, some businesses are, you know, really tailored and, and kind of built to scale quickly. I would say the subscription model type businesses, uh, data subscriptions or technology SaaS models, things that people can sign up for quickly, they can learn how to use them very quickly. Those are really designed to scale quickly and don't require a lot of relationship between vendor and customer, even though customer success is critically important on the back end to make sure that they stay a customer. But in terms of especially transportation, um, the, the long game is so important because, you know, like, like I talk to our sales guys all the time, we speak with our customers almost every day, whether it be on the sales side or the customer success side of the ops side, we're interacting with our customers all the time. And so relationship is really critical. And so when you think about sales in industries like ours, like transportation, um, like, you know, brokering freight, you know, working with carriers, those are relationship type of industries that require that idea or that, that, that thought of the long game. And so what I mean by that is um, instead of just basically creating a marketing uh, piece of content that's going to turn a customer or a prospect into a customer immediately, it's more of a dating relationship, more of a courting relationship, and it requires a lot of different mediums. You know, in the past, we used to go to trade shows. Uh, I, say, I, I talk like it was 10 years ago. It feels that way. Uh, but in the past, we'd go to trade shows and we'd shake hands and we'd spend time with people. Um, and now it's different because we don't have that. It, you know, some some vendor some clients aren't taking any vendors on visits anymore. You can't even go and visit some of them. Some do, and so we're having to rely on new skills, new technologies, in order to build those relationships um, and and build a long game in terms of of making that sale and having a lasting customer. So what we've found to be really successful, obviously, is LinkedIn is so powerful. It's still completely underutilized and undervalued in many ways. You know, if I put on a 30 second video clip, I mean, that's like a commercial to some of the top CEOs and VPs in our industry. And it doesn't cost me anything but a little bit of time to do that. You know, so it's very underutilized and undervalued. But what's also interesting is how this current market has uh, really, uh, you know, encouraged new ways of interacting with customers. Back in March, for example, I was uh, thinking, what am I going to do? I'm a salesman that travels and now I can't travel. What do I do? And so I started this Friday lunch called Word on the Street. 
And the idea behind it was just to really have lunch with somebody. I'm an, I'm an extrovert. I want to spend time with people. And so I thought, well, I'm going to have this lunch where I can hang out with people. And that thing has grown to where I've got, you know, 15, 20, 25 people that come back every week. They're transportation professionals. The content is great. But what's really striking about all of that is that I recently did a poll among all of them. And I asked, are you, do you feel more connected now than you did before the pandemic? And overwhelmingly, 85% said they feel more connected now. And they said that it was, you know, environments like Word on the Street and other groups that they've become a part of virtually through Zoom and through other means that have helped to maintain that relationship. And I think that every salesperson would agree that Zoom calls are now part of the process. It's no longer awkward or weird. When I schedule a call with a prospect who I've never met, I schedule a Zoom call, you know, and I want to have that interaction and face to face. And I think that's going to stay even when we get to go back to being a person because it builds the relationship, it builds trust. You get to see someone's face, you get to see the reactions. It's just very different. So th those tools have become really valuable in building that long game from a sales perspective. So as, as you uh, think about the traditional, and, and you're right, feels like we're talking about 10 years ago when we're talking about <laughs> less than a year ago. I mean, I you know, we, we yeah. went remote fully with our entire sales uh, team in uh, March the 13th of last year. So we're not even to, you know, a year yet. But I think that's really interesting what you talk about on making that, you know, first connection. Because we all know that that's, that is as critical a connection as there can be. And lacking some of the traditional places, uh, whether it be, you know, the in-person trade shows and otherwise, you're looking for other ways to do that. So as you talk about trade the that making that first contact and, and, and securing that first contact, is the traditional way of making that happen of cold calling, is that is that dead? No, definitely not dead. It's changing though. I think that we have to adapt with the times and use all the tools that we have available. So let me give you a couple of examples. You could certainly take a list of 100 people and you could just start pounding the phones. And if you're really good on the phones, you're really good at making connections, you could just definitely make some inroads. There are people who really do a great job of cold calling to this day. But what we teach and some of the best practices that I've found is to use the tools to warm those up. So one of the first parts of our cadence is to, you know, connect with somebody on LinkedIn. And here's kind of the secret behind that. If you try to connect with somebody on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and you send a message with that invitation to connect, a lot of times it gets ignored because it feels salesy. It looks salesy and people don't want to connect to be sold. They want to connect to actually build relationships and um, be with people who are like-minded, people who are cool, people who are fun, people who have great content. So what we encourage is that on that very first connection, you just send an invitation to connect with no note. And then when they accept your invitation to connect, then you send back a message very simply saying, hey, so-and-so, thanks so much for connecting. Hope all is well, Trey. And then I put my phone number. And what that does is it says, hey, this guy took time to send me a personalized note. He didn't ask for anything in return. And now this contact is set up to receive anything that I post on LinkedIn. They're going to see my content. They're going to see me interacting and it's going to become warm. In conjunction with that, then you start making a phone call or sending an email where they've, they've already seen your name or they may have already seen your face. They may have already gotten a note from you that was not asking for anything in return. And it makes that much more pleasant. 
In terms of the actual cold call, I think it's really important to use the research that we have available. I mean, we live in the age of information. There's no reason not to know something anymore. You don't need to call somebody on a cold call and say, hey, tell me about your business. Or, hey, what do you do? Like, we can get that information before we make the phone call. I can know that if I call you, you know, if you're a Chattanooga, Tennessee, for example, I might talk about something that relates to Chattanooga, or I might talk about something in your bio that's really intriguing because there's three things that people love to talk about themselves, their kids, and their business. So if you can find something, you know, and one of those three things to get them to talking right away, you can actually build an authentic relationship before you get into the meat of why you're calling them on the cold call. And that's so critical. And so that brings me to the sandwich theory on cold calling. This is what we teach. And that is you always want to start with something very personal on the cold call, something, you know, that you can relate to them. It doesn't matter what it is. It's whatever you find out about them, where they went to school, where they uh, volunteer their time. Maybe they worked at a job that you think is really cool or whatever it might be. Have something personal at the beginning of the phone call. That's the first piece of bread. And then you transition to the meat of, well, this is the reason why I'm calling. I noticed that you guys do a lot of hiring, you know, and we specialize in helping companies find the best talent at the best price. And I'm here to schedule a call with one of my sales reps to make sure that, uh, that you have all the information, something like that, getting to the meat of the call. And then you end the call on another personal note. You know, so, oh man, it's so cool that you love golf. I see that in your background. I can't believe you've been in the masters, you know, once before, I can't wait to go. You're gonna have to give me the secret on how to get in there. And we finished that conversation on something more personal and relatable once again. And that makes a cold call so much more enjoyable and the success rate goes up. The flip side to all that is that it takes time. So if you're expecting somebody to make 150 cold calls a day, but you want them to do the research, it's probably not realistic. The, the amount of cold calls might come down to 75 a day or 50 a day, but hopefully, they're much higher quality and much warmer as a result. Absolutely. So I find it interesting. Um, and, you know, this summit is about, you know, sales and marketing. And as you talk about, and I think you're as effective uh, a LinkedIn ninja as there is out there, that kind of blurs <laughs> the line a little bit between sales and marketing. So. How do you how do you see sales and marketing? How has it evolved in the way that they work together? You know, through the through this pandemic, and do you see that sort of evolution continuing going forward? Yeah, well, first of all, I have to tell my kids that you call me a ninja. I don't think anybody's called me that before, so I appreciate that. But in terms of you know, you're a LinkedIn ninja. Of, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So, but the lines between sales and marketing have definitely blurred and technology has allowed us to do that. You know, when I first started in sales, my first job, you know, there was a marketing department, they would run their campaigns and then eventually we'd see these leads start trickling in and that's when the sales guys would take over and that's how it worked. But, you know, now with the technology that we have available, the sales guys can do a lot of really great marketing efforts. And in fact, their reach is often greater than the company's. So for example, if you post something about your company on LinkedIn on your company page, it's gonna get less impressions and less views than if each sales guy posts it on their individual page or shares it. And so you know, we worked a lot on, on social selling and bringing that into the fold in terms of sales activities. Because the more that I can you know, get people to know me, 
make them comfortable with me and who I am, if they view me as a thought leader or an expert in some field or that my content is good, then when I do call, reach out to them about working together, it's just much more more enjoyable for them and it's just better. And furthermore, I say this all the time, people want to do business with people who are cool, who are fun, who they like. And so the more that I can get people to like me, to get to know me, to feel comfortable with me, the better I'm going to do. And that means doing some more marketing activities. And so now, you know, like at Lean Solutions Group, I work with Gina Mann, our VP of Marketing, and Ryan Mann, the VP of Lean Marketing, on a daily basis. And we're talking about messaging and campaigns and how can we reach new customers? And we're trying new, you know, new, new things. In fact, I think it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago that Ryan reached out and said, okay, we're doing this now, we're no longer doing that. And then last week he reached out and he goes, okay, that's no longer, we're gonna work, we're gonna do something else. And so the companies that can pivot their marketing strategies and figure out what really works are the ones who are going to win moving forward. But I, I do believe that sales and marketing has become one group now. It's not just two divisions anymore. It's really one department. I think that's really well said. And um, that oftentimes, if there was any friction between sales and marketing, I think is in this pandemic has really has really moved away. Let me. Let me um, hone in on, you know, I said you're a, a LinkedIn ninja. Um, the LinkedIn and putting out a, you know, a 30 second uh, um, video or something, your LinkedIn profile, as I mentioned, has people who have recommended you because of the relationships that you're able to build. As you look at your sales team and the and the sales team that that Lean Sales, the, the variety of different companies that Lean Sales is uh, is helping uh, to to be more optimal, do you do you see that there's a skill set needed that's somehow different now doing so many of these Zoom calls or using uh, Hangouts or Microsoft Teams? Is there do you think that there are you doing some sort of training around how to talk to the vehicle that we're talking to right now, as opposed to looking across the desk or the table at someone? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Well, first of all, <clears throat> we definitely have to take a shower every day. Uh, whereas, you know, if you were working from home previously as a salesman, you could just work in your pajamas and make some phone calls. So, you know, making sure that we're cleaning up, of course, is really important. But the other thing is really, this is really fascinating. When you're on a Zoom call, the tendency is to actually look at yourself on the screen. That's what most of us do is we want to look at ourselves. It's just a natural thing to do. We don't even actually look at some of the other people on the screen, but the true skill is to look at the camera. So it's kind of a weird thing where you're trying to, you know, get to know and build relationships and see responses but also have you know, a really good approach. If I'm looking at the bottom of the screen, it just doesn't look right. So there's certainly some things that you can do differently in that regard. But I think it also changes who you would potentially hire from a sales perspective, because it does need to, I mean, I, I, I say this hesitantly because you've always needed somebody who was the tip of the sphere, the, the, the face of the company. That's what salespeople are. They're the people who, are, who give the impressions on who the company is. But it's even more so now because you're so visible. You know, you're so much more visible than you would have been if you were just pounding the phones or going to visit customers one-on-one -on -one as we used to do. Now we put ourselves out there. The camera needs to be friendly. They need to be comfortable in front of the camera and be able to, to handle that in order to, you know, to provide good content. And that's really the sum of it is you've got to be able to provide good content. You know, whether it's a video or whatever you're putting on there, whether it's from the sales team or from the marketing team, 
it has to be good content. And so I, I think it does change a little bit about who you might potentially hire. And it does require uh, people to get out of their, their comfort zone maybe just a little bit and get in front of a camera a little bit more often. So I'd say it's changing a little bit. I think it's going to stay, but it's probably not too much different than what we've hired for, or what are the skill sets that we've had in the past. It, it's interesting because, um, and I agree with you, um, but as, as I've evolved the skill set over the years or tried to you know help my team members, one of the things that has really assisted me is over the years, I've I've taken um, training in you know the stand up of presentation skills. We've done that with with our team members and the ability to control a room. It's one thing to go one on one with someone, but the ability to control a room when you're you know you're going for that strategic you know multi million dollar sale is a skill, and that you know that is different than me making sure as you described that I'm looking at the camera so it appears as if I'm looking at you but the bad news is if I'm looking at the camera I'm not looking at you and I can't tell you might be getting bored now and you know where I can control that room so I really think that there is going to be you know a fascinating evolution of how how we sell what we're doing in selling and and it and it really as as people talked about certain parts of the transportation networks you know hold forward two or three years worth of certain kinds of products or certain technologies, I think you're really seeing the same things happen, you know, relatively overnight in the way that we communicate with one another. And communication is clearly the, you know, the most important component around sales. So it sure seems like you guys, you guys have a lot of, uh, a lot of, of great stuff going on. So let me, let me speak a little bit about the tools that you know that folks are going to be you mentioned linkedin and you talked about zoom calls so what other what other things what other tools are there out there and the mechanisms and the way that you would use them you talked about you know not doing a certain thing in linkedin are there are there certain tools when i look at a resume and i you know i'm looking for someone in operations, I'm going to look for a certain skill set and certain capabilities and, and things you're using. If I'm looking at engineers, it'll be differently. If you're, if you're looking at the sales professionals in 2021 and beyond, what are the, what are the skills that you're going to want to see? Or what are, the, what are the backgrounds that you're going to want to see that, that would convince you that, that they've got the right toolkit to be successful? Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think that this has actually changed too much. You know, I, I think in, a lot of times in sales, we look for people who have been in customer service, who have, who have been customer facing, who have spent time, you know, waiting tables, bartender, whatever it might be, some of those types of, of, uh, of, of skill sets, because those translate into sales really well. As far as the tools that, that uh, they're there, you know, if anybody's been in, you know, in sales, you want to know, have they... What CRM have they used? Have they used it effectively? I'm amazed at how many companies still struggle with using CRMs effectively. So that's always good to kind of ask that, but those are skills we can teach. Uh, those are things we can help out with. But I think the, the ability to communicate with people is really important. The ability to problem solve, but also, you know, as I'm thinking about it, the ability to take initiative, to be a self-starter, um, to be able to make decisions. If you're, if you're leading well in an organization, you're letting your team make some decisions and really flourish. But so you want to make sure that they're good at making decisions, that they have that ability to, 
uh, to process information and, and, and make good choices. So I don't think it's changed drastically. I think the skills obviously have changed a little bit, but those are skills we can teach just like we would teach how to you know, use a CRM or things like that. As far as tools though for, for sales teams, I think it's really cool how technology has now made it really easy to gamify sales and to make it more competitive because salespeople in general are competitive. They want to see their name at the top of the list. They want to know how they've done versus everybody else, um, and especially the ones that are really hungry. And so the tools out there to be able to, um, you know, to gamify sales are really tremendous. You know, Griffin Networks, Ambition, and, and Gong, and some of these other tools that uh, that do a great job. And so. You know, that, that to me, that's pretty exciting to be able to use a technology to enhance the competitive nature of your team is, is only a positive. So I love that. So we've only got a couple minutes to go, and um, I want to make sure that um, I sort of look into your crystal ball a little bit and what we're looking at uh, going forward in the future. Um, as, as that toolkit evolves, as you look at that resume of the the people, and, and I love you talking about gamification, um, we use Ambition, we use Gong, and, and, and love doing that. Um, when you look at that resume downstream, and you know certain folks, you want to make sure that they can use Excel or Access, or, you know that that have that need for the ability to do that. But will there be if you see someone who's Used ambition, gone Griffin, Salesforce. Will that will that give you a an idea that these folks have been around and understand what it is, or are they so easy to use now that you really don't need a, a whole lot of training on these things to be able to essentially be able to use them so quickly and so effectively? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually think that um, you can pick these things up so quickly that that's less of a, of a, of a determinant factor. I want to get the right people. I want to get the right people in terms of um, their ability to communicate. Um, how do they fit with the team? How are they going to fit with the culture of the team? If you bring in somebody who's strong, but the, they don't fit with the culture, it doesn't matter. It might actually be a negative. So there's different aspects, I think, that are really important when it comes to trying to find the right salespeople for your team, um, understand the personality understanding what makes them tick, understanding their, their, their history. How did they grow up? Uh, what kind of family do they come from? Those things, you know, impact a lot more than we, than we believe. And all of these tools are so easy to pick up. Um, and there's so much information. I mean, you can watch a YouTube video and in about two hours, you would know how to use, you know, Salesforce better than anybody who's using it today. Um, if you're, if you're a pretty good learner. So the, t the information's out there to, to use these tools effectively. I want the right people with the right personality, the right character, the right cultural fit. All of those things to me are much more important than can they use an Excel spreadsheet? I can teach them that. I can't teach them how to fit into the culture of our company as well as maybe what they already do. That's a fantastic so, point. And, and, uh, and, and I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to leave it at that. Just ask, you know, from the lean sales perspective, as, as you look at, you know, lean sales and, and how you guys are impacting companies, what, what is the, you know, what is that, uh, if, if there is a secret sauce out there, what, what, what do you see as that differentiator that, that Lean Sales is being able to, to do and to produce for the folks that are working with you? 
Well, at the end of the day, sales is still a numbers game. Uh, it's still, you know, a formula of, uh, you know, X number of calls leads to X number of discovery calls leads to, you know, whatever. I mean, that, that's the formula still. And so what we're able to do at Lean Sales for our customers is to is to increase that speed to market, to be able to build up their lead generation and build up those numbers so that they can then have the right, uh, you know, the right formula to get where they want to go. And we do that at a cost that's much lower than, than anyone, anybody else. And so that's the secret sauce is, you know, to be able to, to generate more leads and to have more opportunities because it is a number, numbers game. We do that better than anybody at a lower cost. And that's why it works. That sums it up beautifully. I want to, I want to really thank my friend Trey Griggs. Thanks for doing this. I know it's not what the truck, so you don't have to pull the uh, guitar down. So, but thanks for doing this. I appreciate you taking your time to do a Fuller Speed Ahead. Thank you to Craig Fuller for letting me have the opportunity to do this. this is wonderful. I really want to thank Trey and everybody. You're getting the art and the science about how sales and marketing are working and working better and differently now in 2021. Enjoy the rest of this virtual conference and the rest of your day. Thanks a lot, Trey. Thanks, George. Great to be here. Be well.